That song is quickly becoming one of my favorites. I've got 39 favorites, but that is one of my favorites. Boy, that is a good song, a powerful song. Tonight we're talking about Nehemiah and talking about keep going, don't stop, keep moving. Probably some of us have read Nehemiah many times and others of us, probably Nehemiah is fairly new to us. But I hope you see throughout these lessons that Nehemiah is one of the most powerful examples of what it means to live for God of anybody in the Bible. Sometimes he gets overlooked. We think about Moses and Abraham and Peter and Paul and all of those are good and all of those make sense. But Nehemiah makes a lot of sense as well because Nehemiah had all kinds of difficulties around him, but Nehemiah never stopped. Nehemiah kept going forward despite what people thought, despite what the obstacle was in front of him, that he stayed committed to God. So tonight, look in your Bibles or look on the screens in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, where the Bible says, and if you remember, we've been going through this, that Nehemiah has been facing all kinds of crit criticism for rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the wall. And the Bible says, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. And I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same message or the same answer. Well, let me say, first of all, first of all, above everything else, beware of invitations from Ono, okay? <laughs> if someone invites you to Ono, do not go. And so Ono shows up a couple of times in the Bible, I think three or four times. But here they're telling him, come meet us. This isn't like, oh, this is so important that we're going to come to you. But instead, it's you come to us. You can imagine all the things that could have gone wrong along the road, right? They could have had robber or people there waiting to rob him. They could have had people there waiting to kill him. You can imagine all the different things that could have happened. And so he doesn't go. But I think you probably know from your life, just like Nehemiah knows here, that the tempter is persistent. It's not as if the tempter just says, let's try one time, and after the tempter tries once, then the tempter's done with us. Four times. But let me tell you, after these instances are over, there are more to come in this chapter. Four times the tempter comes. You know what it's like with temptation in your life, right? The tempter keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and coming up with all different kinds of, of ideas and all different kinds of excuses and all different kinds of explanations and ways to justify whatever it is the tempter wants you to do. Nehemiah would not give in. He was astute. And Nehemiah said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I've got a project that's going on here. Now, it's interesting what Nehemiah does. Now, Nehemiah doesn't completely know their hearts. And so Nehemiah more answers through questions, right? And he says, well, I can't come. Why should the work stop? Instead of saying, no way, because I guess theoretically he could have been gone. He could have been wrong. But it says, I have, these, I have all this going on, so why would I leave? And still they don't come to him, but they keep asking the question over and over. It makes me think of the passage in Matthew 10, verse 16, when Jesus said, Be wise as serpents 
and gentle as doves. That's a really good phrase to memorize when you are living your Christian life. It's a good phrase for your business life. It's a good phrase for for just living among folks, dealing, for example, in, in benevolence or in other places that we help people of wanting to be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. His answer back to these guys who want to do bad to him, to Sanballat and his crew, his answer is not a mean answer, but he is as wise as a serpent, he's gentle as a dove, and he still says no. So then look in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, as this continues on. It says, then, the fifth time, can you imagine? It could wear you down, couldn't it? The fifth time Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to have become the king and have, an even, have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem, that there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are making it up out of your head. I like the way he says that. You're making it up out of your head. That's the phrase we would use, right? The fifth time. I don't know if I could have survived being asked over and over and over again. As you know, we have our little dog, Stoops, who often stares at me and will not break eye contact. I mean, he will look at me for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and Barbara says, why are you giving that dog treats? Because he won't go away. Sometimes that's the way it is with sin, right? It won't go away. So finally, I'll just give in to the sin. Whatever the sin is, financial, sexual, anger, whatever it is, I'll just give in because it won't go away. But that's not what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah stands tough even in the midst of all this and he won't give in. And you notice what this says, an unsealed letter or an open letter. Now that might seem kind of odd, an open letter. Well, this is so that everyone can see it. You know the temptation you have when a letter comes in the mail and, and they haven't sealed it? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you know, I could open that. You ever held it up to the light to try to figure out what it is, if it's a check, to see how much it is? You know what I'm talking about? And you never want to write anything personal on a postcard, right? I don't even know if they make postcards anymore, but you know in the day when you would, you would, you know, having a great time, wish you were here, you would never put anything like your social security number on there, right? Or this is my bank account number, I need some more money. You would never put that on a postcard because you know other people would read it. This is an open letter with the hope that other people will read the letter and see this rumor that Sanballat and Tobiah have made up about Nehemiah. None of it is true, but it all sounds true. It all sounds like it could be, but Nehemiah persevered. He persevered. Now, I've used this word in many ways, and you know the fruit of the Spirit talks about perseverance. As I was getting ready for this sermon, I was trying to spell perseverance. I always try to put an extra R in it. And it made me think really what it is when you write it out. Per, 
severe. Which, in some ways, what we may say, this is, this is from the, uh, the, the Duncan Dictionary, is basically it's continuing through storms, through severe storms. I keep going even though the storm is severe. I don't stop. And so I'd like to think that the Christian life was just all going to be great and everything would be lovely and we'd all enjoy everything, except then we get to the fruit of the Spirit and we see, we see in peace and patience and joy and love and kindness and perseverance going through severe storms because the Christian life will be full of severe storms because we will have friends and family that fall and staying strong will be a severe storm that we will have to, to withstand. And sometimes the temptations will be so strong on us that there will be severe storms in our own lives. And sometimes it's health things that make us start questioning. And sometimes financial issues make us question. And so we go through the storms and we have to stay strong. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it with the help of God. But it's so difficult. So here is this open letter that is wanting him to give up, wanting him to lose his cool, wanting him to act like a pagan, wanting him to, to, to go after the men who have said this, but he won't do it. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, it says, They were all trying to frighten us, thinking, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. You see what he does here? He prays. He's been tempted over and over and over, and he's praying. He's not saying, well, just fine, I give up. He's not saying, where is God in the middle of all this? He's not saying, I'm just going to be like the rest of them. I'm going to give them what for, and then I'll repent. He doesn't do any of those things. Normally, human things we do. But instead, what you see is he remembers that God is our hope. He says, I'll pray because that's where the hope is. I'll pray because that's where the future is. I'll pray because that's the work I'm doing is God's work. I am not going to give up. I'm going to be faithful to the one I said I would be faithful to. So difficult to do, isn't it? Times we all want to give up. Sometimes when it's a person in human form, maybe it's easier. Except we know how difficult it is to stay faithful to humans. And so when we talk about staying faithful to God, it's even more so. And he says, I won't give up. God is my hope. God is the one who will carry us through. So the critics tried to lure Nehemiah to the temple, and you can read this in the rest of chapter 6. They had this great idea that they would take, get him to go to the temple. I mean, after all, isn't the temple a good place to go? You want to go to a holy place? You want to go to the place of worship? And wouldn't that be a fantastic place for Nehemiah, of all people, to be? Since we can't get him to go out on the road, and since we can't get him by, by these lies, we'll just ask him to come to the temple. And after all, how could he not do that? Hey, David, meet us at the church building. Sounds like such a good idea. But you see, what they wanted him to do here apparently was to sin when he went to the temple. Maybe to go to the, into the Holy of Holies is what possibly is happening here, that they're wanting him to doubt God and go into a part of the temple where he wasn't supposed to be and didn't have permission to be, is what scholars think. 
He wasn't to go to the temple. The prophet that was there was a false prophet. And so what he did was he withstood the temptation. Nehemiah stood firm. You know, it's difficult to stand when somebody is saying bad things about us or tempting us, maybe on a personal level. But now when they're telling everybody else about us, don't you just, when everybody knows and everybody's saying give in, don't you just want to give in because it must be right because after all, the democracy has decided it's right. Because that's what everybody else has decided is right. Sanballat, Tobiah, and all these others. And he won't give in. He stands firm. You know, an interesting thing, not on your screen tonight, but in Ephesians, you remember that passage that talks about the armor of God. Talks about wearing the breastplate of righteousness and, and the shield and the helmet of salvation and, you know, the, all the, the, the armor that we put on. And we've talked about this before. But sometimes in the past, at least when I was a child, I imagined being like a knight and you would be going running into a, into a battle. But in that passage in Ephesians, what it says every time, or it, was, it, says, it says each time, two or three times in the passage, it says put on the armor and then stand firm. It never says charge. It says stand firm. And the sword, he said, well, he has a sword. Well, the sword that, he, that a Roman soldier would have had in those days was about six inches long. He doesn't have anything much bigger than a pocket knife. And so you stand there. If they come in on you, well, then they land on your sword. But you're not charging. You're standing firm. Nehemiah isn't going to go after them all. I'm going to sue all of them. He doesn't do that at all. He doesn't say, I'm going to go get an army together and go take out Sanballat and Tobiah. He just keeps building the wall. He builds the walls. He builds the buildings. He builds the temple. He just keeps building. He keeps doing his job. Wow. Because you realize if he stops in order to go after them, the walls aren't going to be built. And if he stops and he goes after Tobiah and Sanballat, then other enemies will come in and destroy the city other than Sanballat and Tobiah who might be dead, but it wouldn't matter because somebody else would take over Jerusalem. Just like with our lives, if we go after one thing, it is something else that will take us. And then in Nehemiah 6, verses 15 and 16, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Less than two months they have built the walls of Jerusalem. And when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Wow. If he would have gone chasing Sanballat and Tobiah, the walls wouldn't have been done in 52 days. If he would have listened to his critics and stopped, the walls wouldn't have been done in 52 days. But because they're done in such a short time, everybody's like, wow, your God must be real because only this could be done with God. And so now the people listen and the people are afraid and the people don't want to mess with Jerusalem. And if you want to know what keeps Jerusalem strong, obviously the power of God, but physically what keeps Jerusalem strong is that they obeyed God and kept working rather than chasing after every critic that they had. Sometimes it's really easy to chase the critics because they hurt our feelings. It's easy to chase the critics because sometimes even that's more fun. But he keeps moving forward. It makes me think of James chapter 1, verse 12. 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who continues through severe trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. What a shock it is for us sometimes to go through trials. But everyone goes through trials. We either stand up to them or we fall because of them. It's one or the other. One of the, one of the blessings of being a minister is you know a whole lot about a whole lot of people. One of the curses of being a minister is you know a whole lot about a whole lot of people. And you know what I know? Is that every person I know goes through trials. They're different. Everyone goes through them. Some are more public and some are more private. But everyone has to decide, will I withstand? And will I do this with God my hope? Or will I crumble? Every person has to decide that. No one is immune to these things. We sometimes assume that we can put on a, 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 a facade and no one knows. But my guess is most of the time people know. And so our admittance of our issues, which God asks us to do, is one of the things that makes us strong because we hand it over to God and say, God, this is yours. I cannot do this alone. And then the beautiful passages like back in Galatians again and in other places that say what Christians are to do are to carry each other's burdens. One of the ways that we get through the severe storm is we let other people go through the severe storm with us. And we stay strong together, glued together by God. So my question for us tonight, where's my focus? Where's my focus? Nehemiah's focus was on building the walls and building Jerusalem because that's what would glorify God and that's what would, that's what would, would unify his, the people of God and make the people of God strong was to build those walls. So what is my focus? Because for some of us, maybe that's not our focus at all. I mean, just because you go on a Sunday night or you watch on a Sunday night doesn't mean that's my focus. My focus may be just about myself and my focus may be so many other things and this is something I pile on. Well, I have too much in life to do to pile anything else on. Don't you agree with that? That unless this is the basis of everything I do, unless this is a cord that runs through everything, that is the foundation of who I am, as far as my, my faith is, if it has to be the basis of business and the basis of relationships and the basis of everything. Unless it is, I'll crumble. And whatever area of life that my faith is not my base, the tempter will get me. But if the base is Christ, if the base is Jesus, I'll thrive. I'll survive and thrive. So maybe tonight you're ready to be baptized or you need prayers and write to us at elders at mcoc.org. Or come forward tonight. Come as we stand and sing. Sweet are the promises, God.